Hello, everyone, and welcome to the premiere episode of OK, Now What? A political podcast where a group of progressives come together and give their um, political opinions on current events. Uh, we are your co-hosts, and we're going to go around and first introduce ourselves, and then we'll get we'll get on with the show. So, Elizabeth, can you please go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Elizabeth Trejo. Um, I love politics. I'm a progressive. I want to see real change here in the state of California, and I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Thomas, can you please introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Thomas Spate. I'm a British immigrant in the United States, um, and I'm a leftist. Nice. And um, where do you live? I live in Pomona, California. Nice. Robin, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Robin. I am a recent graduate, a progressive, and a political junkie just trying to make good, effective change within California. Awesome. And lastly, Jason, but not least, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Jason Call. I live a little bit north of Seattle, Washington. I have been a progressive activist on a number of issues for the last 30 years, former high school math teacher and now current uh, candidate for Washington's second congressional district. Awesome. And I am Greg Arias. I live in Pomona, California. I am also progressive. Um, if you follow me on social media, you might remember me from the Greg show, but that's no longer a thing. <laughs> um, and I'm currently a college student. I'm uh, majoring in theater and journalism, specifically political journalism. And yeah, that's enough about me. All right, so let's go ahead and start with today's discussion. We are going to start with um, the lockdown that happened on D uh, at DC prior to the inauguration. So days prior to the inauguration, DC prepared for the worst National Guard and military personnel were sit down to secure the Capitol following the events on January 6th. Now we're gonna go ahead and share a clip and then give our thoughts on the matter. As the House of Representatives debates impeachment, there is incredibly tight security out here on the streets of Capitol Hill. As you can see, the streets are deserted. They've been closed off in the entire area surrounding the Congress. There's also been uh, this very tall fence put up all the way around the Capitol building to try to stop uh, a repeat of those scenes that we saw last week on Wednesday when a crowd of Trump supporters stormed into the very heart of Congress. Now, this is not just for the impeachment process. This is also in the build-up to the inauguration of Joe Biden as President of the United States on the 20th of January. A state of emergency has been declared here in the District of Columbia until at least the inauguration date itself. And as you can see here, National Guard troops have been brought into the district. They're armed with assault rifles, and we could see 15 or even 20,000 of them out on the streets during the inauguration of Joe Biden as US President. And it's not just out here on Capitol Hill. Inside the Capitol building itself, uh, there were photos that emerged on Wednesday morning local time here in Washington of National Guard troops asleep in the very corridors of power inside the Congress as they uh, arrived to protect that building. Giles Gibson for CGTN in Washington.
All right. Now, um, starting with Thomas, um, what's your take on that? Well, it's almost like uh, U.S. foreign policy has just come back home, basically. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for a country that spends so much money on the military, for them to sleep on the floor is, is just incredible. I think mm -hmm. it's incredible to see. Um, I mean, it, yeah, basically just, uh, you know, uh, the years of the U.S. being in Iraq, um, being in countries around the world, uh, the way that the military has been used. Um, it's just it's just foreign policy that's now coming becoming domestic. That's that's all that's happening here. Um, yeah. it's, it's coming back home um, mm -hmm. in a way that Americans haven't seen on their own soil. Um, yeah, that's my take. Basically, uh, Elizabeth, what do you think? Um, what are your thoughts on the matter on what you just saw? Um, I think it's uh, like an unfortunate situation we find ourselves in mm -hmm. um, because their presence is there a fear of this backlash, you know, which is the, the Trump supporters. So I just think, I mean, it was necessary. I think it's a it's a, uh, we could have used the money mm -hmm. somehow else, but it was necessary. Yeah. Jason, do you think it was too much? Uh, do you think they maybe have overreacted or do you think it was necessary, like Elizabeth said? Um, I'm always very nervous when I see military uniforms um, mm -hmm. oh, in, yeah. in, in this capacity. Uh, one of the th first things that I thought was, well, it just shows you um, that that the local police forces uh, are are not enough to deal with this threat. Threat, and and as we found out, um, that many of the local police forces around the country had members who were in uh, the the insurrection on January sixth. Um, you know, who are members of far right uh, extremist groups, um, and I and I think that we can't count on your civilian municipal police forces to handle this kind of thing um you've got to ask yourselves why uh and as part of the why that 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 so many of them uh really can't be trusted to do the job um it's unnerving i might fall in the direction of what elizabeth said i mean i i i think back to 2000 when george bush got elected and what a different scene it is when we had people you know mm -hmm. lining the streets both in support and opposing him some pelting his motorcade with eggs but you know you had people out there of course you couldn't do this with covid now but it's really um you know it it's it's an it's a weird transition for our country yeah robin um what do you think that if let's say DC wasn't on lockdown um, for, for the inauguration, do you think um, there would be riots? I feel like there, I don't wanna say there would have been or speculate because insurrection did happen. Mm -hmm. And there were, if you go on TikTok, if you go on Twitter, if you go on like these social media platforms, they were still, there were still talk about having going to the inauguration and showing up and not letting president biden be inaugurated so i think it was necessary i think it's it was an unfortunate thing but it just goes mm -hmm. to show you how 
um, Trump's rhetoric has just led to these people being becoming more and more um, comfortable with showing up, raiding the Capitol, and just showing that the flaw within our justice system that these people are more comfortable with hate speech. Usually, I was just, I don't know, it's how to say it, but I was just like, it was necessary. It's unfortunate that was necessary, but all those people need to now be investigated. These mm -hmm. police departments that had people, their own officers there needs to be investigated. States need to do a more thorough vetting check of their police officers Yeah, and, it, and their elected officials. Yeah, I just find it that, you know, we were able, you know, as citizens who visit the Capitol, we're able to walk on the steps of, of Capitol Hill. We're able, because it's ours. It really is. And, you know, it's like, I feel like what happened was, you know, you couldn't share your toys, so now you got to take it away from them. You know, that's how I felt. And I just hope that, you know, we're able to return to where, you know, where we don't have to worry about, you know, MAGA people starting another riot. Mm -hmm. But it was quite unfortunate seeing a Capitol go on lockdown because of a group of people. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I also, if I can just add in for a second, you know, mm -hmm. one of the things that um, worries me about this, and, and, and again, you know, uh, if it was necessary, it was ne necessary. We, you know, have to maintain uh, safety. It's, it's, you know, a lot of people would bring up um, Benjamin Franklin's old saying that people who would give up essential liberties for a little safety uh, deserve neither. I don't know that this was one of those cases. Um, but, you know, as, as things proceed, as, uh, you know, if the economy worsens, as climate uh, worsens, as mm -hmm. there is more civil unrest and more people clamoring uh, to have their government be responsive to their needs, um, you know, what we see is is a veer towards more authoritarianism uh, you know in in the uh um uh, under the auspices of you know keeping everybody safe but you know how much is that going to impact our right to mm -hmm. protest for for things that are our real needs in the future yeah that's a very good point mm -hmm. all right so um let's go ahead and share i'm going to share another clip and we'll move on to our next story i Kamala Davy Harris do solemnly swear. I, Kamala Davy Harris, do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion that I will well and faithfully discharge that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter the duties of the office upon which I am about to enter so help me God so help me God repeat after me I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. That I will faithfully execute. The office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability, 
will to the best of my ability. Preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. Thank President. You. All right. <laughs> and so there you have it. On January 20th, Joseph Biden became President of the United States. And Kamala Harris became our Vice President. Now, I mean, as most progressives, we are happy that Trump is gone. However, we're also bitter. <laughs> so, um, Elizabeth, what are your thoughts? I, um, I'm excited to have Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as our leaders now. Of course, yes, I'm upset that it wasn't a progressive, but, you know, I, I just kind of keep thinking like we have to meet people where they're at and unfortunately the country um doesn't really like hold like neoliberals you know accountable or they maybe they don't understand what that mm -hmm. means uh and i'm just i am glad to go back to some sense of normalcy okay now i know that there's a lot of definitions on what normalcy or like going back to normal um but some people have different meanings on that you know um thomas what do, what do you think what are, what is your take on the whole going back to normal thing that you hear a lot i mean look i i grew up in europe i grew up in the uk um the definition of normalcy here is very different to the mm -hmm. rest of europe um here normal is no healthcare. Here, normal is no form of social safety net. Um, here, it, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, we need to, um, I think going forward, uh, progressives and leftists need to try and articulate the difference between neoliberals within the Democratic Party mm -hmm. and um, actual leftists and people. Uh, we need to articulate that and try and uh, get away from this polarization that has happened uh, mm -hmm. with the Trump presidency. Yeah. Um, it's created it created the foundations for the Democrats to basically say anyone but Trump. And mm -hmm. I think we need to we need to move away from that. And we need and I know unfortunately um, a lot of neoliberals in the Democratic Party will continue to use Trump as a mechanism to get people on board with things that just do not help them, that just do not go anywhere, that does, does not push them, f just, just doesn't go far enough at all. I mean, the pandemic has shown this. It. Mm -hmm. It's shown um, the incapability of the system that we're in right now. Yeah. I think we desperately need to, um, we need to uh, organise people in a way to get people to recognise that, the current um, established members of the Democratic Party are not good enough. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. What were we going to say? No, no, I finished. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Jason, now, I mean, you're running for Congress. How should uh, people in Congress, especially progressives, um, hold this administration accountable? So the, the reality is we, we don't have uh, um, enough progressives in Congress. And so the ones who are there are going to have to be a very loud voice. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to have to work on, you know, not to 
and highlight myself, but you know, we're going to have to work on getting more progressives in Congress. I know I, and, and this is not an ego thing for me, my run. I, I always said throughout last year that if I could trade my race to ensure two progressives got in, I'd do it in a heartbeat. I'd, you mm -hmm. know, but, um, you know, we, we are now looking to Corey Bush and Jamal Bowman um, and Rashida Tlaib to be uh, our, our standard bearers, AOC, Ilhan Omar. Um, we, we need them to be out in front every second uh, um, uh, uh, of the way. Or the, the real danger is that if we, because we, we could dial the clock back to 2008 uh, yeah. and we can see these first four years of Biden be a repeat of the Obama years. Uh, and, and the real analysis is that the Obama years uh, led us to Trump. It was neoliberal yeah. politics that didn't serve the working class. Um, and, and a lot of people uh, went to Trump because, you know, as much of a charlatan as he is, and, and he turned out to be, um, you know, really awful in so many ways, uh, mm -hmm. damaging to our country. But, um, you know, they went there for a reason. And, 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 uh, you know, the reason is we didn't, we didn't support workers' rights. We shipped um, uh, jobs overseas. Uh, we we mm -hmm. uh, broke people's banks uh, on, on a terrible healthcare system. The Democrats have got to get behind these policies. And now we have the added, um, uh, really urgent, we have got to uh, tackle this climate change. I think now is the time for us to really be challenging uh, establishment Democrats wherever we can. Now is the time to keep pressuring them on policy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Robin, so what's your take on the whole inauguration, the new administration? How did you feel, you know, just waking up into a new era of American politics? I was relieved. I was excited, mostly mm -hmm. because I am a person of color. My dad does wear a turban. He does, you know, fit my most of my family members look really Indian. They wear turbans. They have long beards. So I was mm -hmm. just excited to have a president where they where it wouldn't add to the anger. Wouldn't add. They wouldn't add to the rhetoric of anti-Muslim, Islamophobic. Um, in all those terms where I wouldn't have to worry if my dad went to Walmart, is he going to be attacked or is he going to be verbally harassed? Mm -hmm. So I was excited for that. I'm relieved that we have no, we don't have a, we don't have someone in office who didn't care about the title he holds, the power he holds, who only did it for his ego. Yeah. And I'm also excited to see the policies that these leaders bring and holding them accountable to their word and just the having a president who does their job where it's not just having a diet coke button how going to like mar-a-lago and like golfing where they're actually working yeah i agree yeah for me um it, it was uh, it was a fresher breath air you know not um not to give into the whole neoliberal um, propaganda, but it really was. It really was. Um, every day of the Trump administration, I was like, he did what now? He said what now? You know, and, and I'm like, well, are we going into World War Three? Like, you know, like it, it, it was it was scary those four years, you know. But now that we know what brought us with Trump, we need to hold this new administration accountable. We can't just 
yeah, she's a person. Yes, Kamala Harris being our vice president is great for uh, people of color because she's not just a first woman. She's a woman of color. But it was great to see that. But now when you really look at who she is as a person, where's the substance? What does she really support? Is she going to be a vice president of her donors or a vice president of the people? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we got to keep that in mind, too. So Amanda Gorman made history at the inauguration, which uh, she made an, a very insp- inspiring po- uh, poem. And I'm going to go ahead and share it with the audience now. And we'll give our, um, our quick take on that. We are striving to forge our union with purpose. No one really gets to say at 22, I am the inaugural poet. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace and the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always just is. On the Wednesday in which we saw the insurrection at the Capitol, that was the day that the poem really came to life and I really put pedal to the metal. We've seen a force that would shatter our nation rather than share it, would destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy. And this effort very nearly succeeded. But while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. I wanted it to be a message of hope and unity. And I think that Wednesday for me really just underscored how much that was needed, but to not turn a blind eye to the cracks that really need to be filled. But one thing is certain, if we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. Poetry is a weapon. It is an instrument of social change. And poetry is one of the most political arts out there because it demands that you rupture and destabilize the language in which you're working with. Inherently, you are pushing against the status quo. And so for me, it's always existed in that tradition of truth-telling. For there is always light if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Amazing. Um, Elizabeth, um, go ahead and share us your thoughts on this segment. Uh, Amanda's poem was my favorite part of the inauguration. Mm-hmm. I think it was a wonderful gift that we needed as a nation. And I'm really just excited for kind of like the the glass ceilings that they're shattering and kind of like the empowerment that they're giving black girls in our country, uh, people of color. And I'm Mm -hmm. just really excited because to me, you know, we can criticize American politics, but something that I personally think is like, at the end of the day, American politics has been dominated by white men. Yeah. So I just feel like they're opening the door for women, for women of color. And I have faith that we can um, lead the nation to greatness. Wow. Anyone else want to share? That poem was also my favorite. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda Gorman such amaz- is such an amazing writer. That poem was, you know, a better call for unity than anything else I've heard. It acknowledged the painful past. I think the birthright of like our children line really got to me and I was just like, oh dang, like, you know, mm-hmm. we're not just creating this future for ourselves and the betterment of our futures, but like all, our children, um, like future people who come into this country, it's, it's just everything that we needed mm-hmm. for, during the inauguration. I think it was the best speech um, out of the inauguration, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I no. happen to agree with everyone uh, what you two said. Anyone else want to give their take? Um, I hope um, with the administration um, obviously putting this front and center. Um, I hope coming out of it we see legislative change. Yeah, racial justice, racial inequity. Um, these these things are. I mean, it's been desperate for such a long time, but I mean, the, the pandemic has really, has really torn this uh, into mm-hmm. a completely different monster. And I think um, going forward, uh, we need to be holding this administration accountable in terms of, I mean, in terms of what the people voted for, the, what we saw over the summer. Yeah. Um, we, we desperately need um, racial uh uh injustice to be tackled head on and that comes with actual policy so i hope um these uh appointments i hope um the representation that we're getting uh leads uh to even to go beyond just representation we need we need policy that changes people's lives and helps them in a way that we haven't seen before yeah jason go ahead yeah, um, I'll echo what's been said here. Uh, it, it was easily the best words of the inauguration, uh, the best sentiment, the, best, the most forward-thinking, and the most unifying. Uh, and um, but but absolutely, what Thomas said there: if we can get policy as powerful as the poem, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll we have a future to look forward to. Um, yeah. I, I worry when I contrast that with, um, you know, Biden's uh, inauguration speech where he said things like America has never failed. And, and I cringe because I say America has a history of failure, of, of, fa- of failing its people. Let's let's yeah. make sure that we move away from American exceptionalism and put people first because American exceptionalism does not put people first. Mm-hmm. You know, if we want to be truly exceptional as a nation, we will focus on uh, making sure that our people's needs are met, all people everywhere. Yeah, and um, we'll go ahead and end on, uh, on this. I think that if you are going to talk about unity, if you're going to talk about bringing everyone together and talking about the future of this nation or, you know, the great, some great things that we were able to achieve, leave it to the poet. Leave it to the poet. If you're the politician, talk about policy because yeah. that's your main job. Yeah. Talk about how your policy is going to unite us and talk about how your policy is going to do us better. And she did a great job by doing the poetic stuff. And um, especially, you know, her being the youngest person of color to do so and such a big stage. That's really great. 
Now, now getting into the inauguration. So on Biden's first day in office, he signed more than a dozen executive actions, some which um, reversed many decisions by, uh, by former President Donald Trump. Um, Biden signed three uh, executive orders implementing a mask mandate on federal property, increasing support for underdeserved communities and rejoining the Paris Agreement. Um, other executive actions in uh, include directly targeting and undoing Trump's actions on the environment, immigration, and the U.S. Census and regulatory changes. So um, I'm going to go with Robin. Um, what are your thoughts on Biden's first day? I think it was productive, if not at least, you know, putting us, not to say normalcy again, but putting back at like page zero, you know, like reversing some of those horrible, mm -hmm. horrible executive orders. Um, at least again, you know, after four years, I'm just glad a president actually did their job and is actually like, you know, moving us to a better future. Is he going to be progressive enough? Is he going to fulfill his campaign promises? We'll have to see. But for a first day, I think it was good. Mm -hmm. A tentative good. Not, and hopefully, as you said, they won't be corporate interests, but or they won't serve corporate interests, they'll serve the people. He did cancel the pipeline, which I was like pretty excited about. Mm -hmm. um, so, so far, I think it's going good, but you know, it's only like the first week, so we have to see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Thomas, what do you think? Um, do you think, you know, was this really, uh, what was his actions extreme or was it just like, well, I mean, he's supposed to do that. What, what was your take on it? I mean, you know, Biden campaign and just returning to pre-Trump. And mm -hmm. I think what you're getting with the first day inauguration executive orders is just that, essentially. Um, it's not so much what he did, it's what he didn't do. Um, and I think... You know, he had the power to cancel all student debt mm -hmm. if he wanted to, via executive order. He hasn't done that. Um, he said on the campaign that he would uh, reunite the families and release the kids from cages, and he hasn't done that. Um, there is a lot of things that need to be done. Um, and unfortunately, um, he's not... He's just not doing enough. I think when you think back to um, 1933, you think back to the Great Depression and you think back to what FDR did in response to an economic crisis, um, you know, there was pressure on him to enact policy that would drastically change the trajectory of the country. And you can go two ways. You can either embrace um, some form of social democracy or you can go and sliver towards fascism. And I think yeah. my fear with the Biden presidency, it's going to be this case of just go revert everything Trump did and go back to pre-Trump and that's going to mm -hmm. be good enough. And I think the problem with that is that it doesn't address, like Jason said before, it doesn't address the problem of what was going on pre-Trump that was causing so much harm and so much for people to go and vote for Trump as a solution. Yeah. Um, so I think 
um, going forward, uh, there needs to be extreme pressure on Biden. Um, in fact, what gave me a lot of uh, what gave me a lot of hope was that I saw um, marches at ICE facilities. Um, telling Donald, I won't say the language that they use, but they said to Biden, "This, you know, this is this is you're not doing enough. This isn't enough." Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, what do you think? <clears throat> Were these? Did he do the right thing? What does he need to do? Yeah, I think he's. In my opinion, I think he's on track on doing what is expected of him. Mm -hmm. First year, we're hearing that it's going to be a very important year to see just kind of where he leads the nation. Um, As far as like pressuring in in administration, um, you know, you run a campaign and you promise all these things to a whole bunch of group of people. And basically now he is going to deliver, right? And he's mm-hmm. going to deliver to the people that pressure him the most. Yeah. So just my, I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of the grassroots uh, organizations that organize, continue to organize uh, to deliver these necessary changes in policy that we're going to need in this country uh, to come out of you know, the economic disasters that, that we're about to uh, feel even more. And, and yeah, like just how Thomas was saying with FDR, he didn't just give in to the pressures. I mean, it was labor. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. I think, socialists mm-hmm. who were pressuring him. So I'm yeah. really hopeful because I do see DSA organizing. I do see yes. a lot of um, people of color run organizations organizing. And like you said, day one, a whole bunch of people were like, these are our demands and we just n- need to continue to do that because yeah. lobbyists and corporate America is already doing it too. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Jason, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I want to say that I, I don't want it all to take away from the gravity of having Trump gone uh, and to have uh, uh, uh woman of color be sworn in as vice president that is a momentous thing it is as momentous a thing as uh barack obama's uh swearing in i think it's a step forward for the nation um but we have to focus on policy i think about um you know i was not at all impressed i I know a lot of neoliberals a, a lot of you know comfortable liberals uh, were just, you know, had that huge sigh of relief listening to Joe Biden's inauguration uh, speech. And all I thought to myself was this speech could have been written for George W. Bush in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the, it's yeah. the same uh, uh, pandering to the moneyed interests uh, and they want to placate people who are, I have to tell you, we are going to have to get in the streets um, and continuing, continue to pressure this yeah. administration on day one. What I really came away was that we are going to have to work harder than ever. If the analysis of, uh, analysis of Biden is that he wants to have a presidency uh, uh, that people will look back on as a positive thing, that he wants to have that legacy, that he was a good president, a great president, he is going to have to start working for the working class immediately. These orders, these executive orders on day one, you know, it's a start. 
not nearly enough. Uh, there's a ton more that he can do, a ton more that he should do, and we are going to have to pressure him constantly to do that. So I uh, just speak to our allies out there in the field. Don't give up. Keep pressuring. Mm -hmm. Stay together. Don't attack each other. Make sure we know where <laughs> the real enemy is. It is the oligarchy. We have to keep going after it every single day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I just feel like his actions on day one were just, okay, that's a no-brainer. Of course, you're going to reverse everything Trump did. You know, that's, again, the bare minimum. And it's so funny, like these, like, for example, let's give Obama as an example. He always, his big legacy is the ACA. They're always talking about their legacy. If you want a damn legacy, then how about be bold and be an FDR president. We're there's in no a crisis. Legacy, there's no bigger legacy in the history of the U.S. than the, than, than the New Deal coming out of the Great Depression. Exactly. Now, and it was so it was so popular. FDR was so popular because of his policies. They elected him four times, and the yeah. and, and the oligarchy literally had to write an amendment to stop people uh, uh, like FDR. You know, so think about how how much of a legacy Joe Biden mm -hmm. could possibly have if he picked up that mantle. And if he did, I will be behind him every step of the way. Yeah, Thomas, go ahead. I was literally just going to add to that. I was going to say, you know, you think back to what FDR did. I mean, it's so simple. The answer is so simple. You need, you know, he taxed the rich and he was the most popular president in American history, right? Yeah. And it solved so many issues, right, after coming out of the Great Depression. Um, mm -hmm. There's no there's no other way you can do this right now. Yeah. We're in the most unequal society since the egyptian times right jesus this like you you have to do like the trajectory that we're going down like i said before is if you don't do this um we've seen what happens history has proven what happens if you don't give people some form of social democracy um and i think if the biden president can think they can just milk toast and walk through this the same way they did during the 2008 banking crisis, mm -hmm. like it's going to, it's going to be a disaster. Like it's going to be yeah. an absolute disaster. And I think you look back to FDR and you see um, what, what happened um, as a response uh, after coming out of the great depression, you know, you can go down that route or you can go down the route of Germany and Germany paid for it. They paid for it dearly. Um, uh. And that is my fear that this presidency is going to not do enough. Um, it's going to try and sort of walk its way through uh, a catastrophe. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not going to be good enough. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and move on to something a little lighter. Which is Bernie Mittens. <laughs> Bernie Mittens. We love that. <laughs> now, um, where is the video panel? Okay, that's lame. Um, so there was a lot of memes that happened over the internet. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and share uh, share a couple. Uh, for example, look at this one. He's just waiting for his, his pretzel. Just waiting for his pretzel. Uh, the Golden Girls is one of my favorite. Look at that. <laughs> and then we have this Deadpool. The memes were just going. What, what are you guys' thoughts on all the memes? 
fantastic. I, I, I loved it. Uh, you know, here in Washington, we even had a special one uh, with Bernie getting uh, wheeled out of an office depot on a chair that was being stolen by one of our local anti-heroes, Tim Iman. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> so people, people around here looked at that one and, you know, it was a nice local one. But really very creative. I like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it, it was a really nice funny moment to come after <laughs> such a inauguration well everyone thank you for watching the very first episode of okay now what we will be premiering mondays on youtube we will be posting full episodes on our igtv and facebook all of our social media is down below and also maybe follow us individually because our social media is down in the description below so, yeah, that's it for this week. We will see you next week. Bye-bye now.